Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Well, good morning and welcome back to Romans chapter 2. Now, remember that Paul has been really upset by the way people have dragged the Jewish religion through the dirt. He's not happy about it. He's become a Christian. He's understood that Gentiles have a part in God that, that they don't have to be Jews to get. But he's a Jew and he's proud of it. And he's really ticked off with the people who have made Judaism into a joke rather than a light to the nations. And his word is, your conduct has made the name of God ill-spoken of among the Gentiles. So I want to have a look at just what the culture was then. And I think we will see ourselves reflected um, powerfully. So the people around the Jewish community at the time Paul is writing, especially in the Roman world, called Judaism a barbarous superstition and the Jews as the most disgusting of races and a most contemptible company of slaves. The, uh, the word about the origin of the Jewish religion was that a colony of lepers had been sent uh, by the king of Egypt to work in sand quarries. Moses had rallied this band of leprous slaves and led them through the desert to Palestine. They, um, they worshipped an ass's head because at one point a, a little herd of asses uh, led them to water when they were perishing with thir thirst. It was said they abstained from the flesh of pigs because the pig is specially liable to a skin disease and that skin disease was the same one the Jews had suffered from in Egypt. Now, you know, I'm not saying that's what happened, but that's the word that was out. Their abstinence from eating pigs provided many a jest. Um, some said it's because the Jews actually considered the pig to be their god. Um, some uh, mocked them saying that uh, clemency was accorded to the pig, unlike what they offered to humanity, um, that a, a pig was likely to live longer than a man, and that was fine with the Jews. Um, they, um, they valued pigs more than people. The Sabbath was regarded as nothing more than laziness, and certain things the Jews enjoyed really infuriated the mainstream world around them. They had extraordinary privilege from the Roman government. Not sure how they pulled it off, but boy, did they do some stuff. They were allowed to transmit the temple tax to uh, Jerusalem every year. Now, there's massive amounts of money were moving there. About 60 BC, uh, in Asia, the problem of this sub-economy, this black economy, became so big, they banned the transfer of currency. The Jews went ahead anyway, 20 tons of contraband gold was seized on its way to Jerusalem. So they're running effectively a little sub-economy. Um, they were allowed, at least to some extent, to have their own courts. Uh, you know, they got special treatment was the sort of way that it was put. Forgive those for who that is obviously offensive now, but, but that's the sort of thing. You know, when people say that sort of stuff and, and the feeling that goes with it, that's the feeling that the Gentiles had towards the... Um, this, this business. The, uh, the Roman government respected the observance of the Sabbath. If there was something to happen and the government required it on a Sabbath, the Jews were exempt. They could come the next day. 
Nobody else got that break. And a really sore point, they were exempted from military conscription. Why? Because of the Sabbath. So, you know, they, they don't even have to flip and take up arms and serve the empire. Now, there were two things they were accused of above everything else. One was atheism. The ancient world had a tremendous difficulty understanding that you could have religion without visible images to worship. So uh, one of the philosophers, one of the historians actually, called Jews a race distinguished by their contempt for all deities. And there's a whole lot of philosophy and stuff written about how stupid it is to worship a God that only exists in your mind. Um, that, was, that was big. But what really moved them to, uh, to such dislike wasn't the imageless worship or the religious practices, but it was the absolute contempt in which they held everybody else. No one whose attitude to other people is contempt can hope to serve as a missionary. Excuse me. <coughs> oh, that was good. The accusation was made that they had a hatred of their fellow men and complete unsociability. You may have heard the, the phrase, you know, he's a misanthrope. You know, he just hates people. Well, that's the exact word that they used for the Jews. Tacitus said of them, among themselves, their honesty is inflexible, their compassion quick to move, but to all others, they show the hatred of antagonism. In Alexandria, the stories that were out about them, Jews had taken an oath never to show kindness to a Gentile, and that they even offered a Greek in sacrifice to their God every year. Tacitus said the first things that Gentiles converting to Judaism were taught to do was to despise the gods, repudiate their nationality, disparage their parents, children's and brothers. And they, they go on about how these people are just ornery, horrible, exclusive, nasty, secretive, occult sort of people. And so the Jews, in fact, did bring the name of God into disrepute. No one wanted to deal with a God that these people worshipped. God may be God, there might be something, who knows. But if that's how it works out on the ground... No one wants to play. And that's got to be part of the background that you think when you understand this huge debate about how do we do the Christian religion that goes through the New Testament. You know, there's obviously a strong opinion that says, well, we don't want to do that. Now, that's all 2,000 years old, and that's really easy. This week's experiences. Guy put up a post, friend of mine, just advertising an ecumenical church service. Nothing to it. He got bombed by people blasting him and complaining and yelling at him about all sorts of things that he had no idea he was part of, just for advertising that a few Christians were going to get together and pray and worship God. Uh, it was obviously a concerted attack by people who just want to stop us. They don't like us. We put up training, and we went through a little patch there where we were special targets for, again, a concerted attack. Every time we put up a training event, we'd have two or three people come on saying, get your paedophile pass here. <laughs> so we just engaged with them. And actually, we had some coffee with people out of that. It was sort of interesting. Um, we just had a big royal commission. And while the entire Australian culture is on the hook for the treatment of children, the churches are particularly noticeable because in many cases, we thought we could run our own courts. We thought we could regulate ourselves. We thought we could just keep this in-house. The Christian movement is now in large measure associated with what the mainstream considers regressive, unfriendly opinion. 
And just this week, Ron put up a post uh, basically saying, hey, you know, there was a big suicide meeting and, and, you know, a mate of mine was there and he just said, well, where are the churches? They were invited, but no one showed up. And so Ron put up a post and said, well, you know, do we want to, um, you know, we should be talking about this. We should be thinking about this. It's getting out of control. And what he got in response was a whole lot of people getting in touch with him to tell him not to worry about it. Because people who suicide are going to hell anyway, so who cares? Well, you can imagine how that went down with us. But that sort of gives some indication of where the Christian movement is at right now. It is seriously, we are seriously on the nose. And I think the reason we're on the nose is very much that we have done our religion the same way the Jewish community was doing theirs in the first century. So this morning, we're going to go all liturgical. I'm going to make a prayer of confession. We're going to confess our sins. We're going to search our hearts. And we're going to say, Jesus, we want to be the people of the way of Christ, the people of the book of Galatians, the people who are not particularly religious, but full of love and the knowledge of God with good discipline and order. Sure, but love the knowledge of God. So I'm going to um, just make sort of bidding prayers. And then I'm going to say, Lord, have mercy. And I'd invite you to just follow that with Christ have mercy, because we need to cry out to God. The church is not respected or in good shape, and I believe it's our fault. We have blown it. Let's come to God. When we look for legislative privilege without first winning hearts and minds, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. When we check out of mainstream life. Lord, have mercy. When we become parasites who presume on the blessings, wealth and good order of our civilization, but also sit out to one side and snipe and complain and whinge about it, Lord, have mercy. When holiness becomes no more than a moral code that we want to impose on other people, whether they get the big idea or not, Lord, have mercy. When what we teach is not the path to abundant life, but a harsh religious system and a condemning, exhausting voice, Lord, have mercy. When we treat people from our group better than we treat other people, Lord, have mercy. When we become known for a single issue rather than the bearers of the whole counsel of God, Lord, have mercy. When we make allowances for our own bad behaviour, and then roundly condemn others. Lord, have mercy. When we try to avoid secular justice and just look after things under the cover of darkness in-house, Lord, have mercy. When we treat people with contempt, Lord, have mercy. When we want our own little show 
and forget that the church is there to leaven all of society, not to rule it, but to flavor it and change everything. Lord, have mercy. Father, there are so many other points of connection to what Paul complains of the abuse of religion and how could it have gotten to this? Lord, help us to live as the ambassadors of heaven, not the apparatchiks of the Christian religion. Help us to live as a new humanity, not as members of an institution. Help us to love. Help us to be Christ-like. Help us to understand holiness. Help us to understand the kingdom of God. The scripture says, if we confess our sins deeply, truly, really, get in touch with it, understand it, own it, and walk away from it in the details. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will cleanse us from the unrighteousness we confess. So, Lord, today we pray for our communities that we will not be caught in what has become a general trend of bringing the name of God into ill repute. Lord, help us to make Jesus famous and help us to shine a light. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was different, but I think that's where that takes us. And uh, tomorrow we will press on into chapter three. See you in the morning. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today.